0: Welcome to NCBA's Cattlemen's Call Podcast with
1: host, Lane Nordland.
0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cattlemen's Call Podcast. I'm Lane Nordland. For today's show, we are catching up with Virginia Cattlemen, Gene Copenhaver of the Multiple Policy Committees that the National Cattlemen's Beef Association has. Gene is the Chairman of the International Trade Committee. Today, Gene and I will be discussing product of the USA labels and how the current labeling system is misleading consumers and does not benefit cattlemen and women here in the United States. That conversation and more coming up here on the Cattleman's Call podcast right after these words
1: from our sponsor. The Beefmaster excels in all maternal traits. They get bred easily year in and year out. They make raising good calves look easy and possess excellent longevity, not breaking down in tough environments. Research shows the breed ranks above others for feed efficiency, one of the most important production traits. If your cow herd has lost its ability to adapt, maybe it's time to rebuild with proven Beefmaster females. Nothing beats a Beefmaster. Learn more about what the Beefmaster cow can do at beefmasters.org.
0: Yes, as we return back to our Cattleman's Call conversation here. Once again, we do want to thank our sponsor of today's episode, Beefmaster. Breeders United. Again, a big thank you to our friends at Beefmaster for sponsoring today's conversation. As promised, we are turning our attention to the great state of Virginia, where Gene Copenhaver joins us here today, a producer in the state of, or the Commonwealth of Virginia, excuse me. My western roots are showing through there, Gene. How are things going out your way?
2: Oh, going good. Going good. We finally got some, uh, rain in uh, august and september and we're we're greened up the way virginia's supposed to be
0: now uh you you mentioned before we started our uh, recording of today's conversation that it is dry out there could you maybe uh, paint a picture a-, a lot of folks have focused on the western u.s drought here in 2021 but can you uh share with us uh, what uh, you and your fellow producers on the east coast have been going through
2: well, most, most of our dry weather came in April and May, and uh, it, it affected our, our first cutting of hay more, more than our, our pasture situation. Now, some of the pastures where it was spotty in, in areas where some of the producers had to uh, had to uh, sell early, but uh, most, most of the grazing has been good for the years, been a little bit drier grass, so it stayed with, with the animals, and uh, gains have been pretty good here.
0: And what type of uh, cattle operation are you running out there?
2: We're a stalker operation. Uh, we, uh, we've we evolved through the years from a general livestock farm uh, uh, to to a cow-calf stalker operation to straight stalker operation. Uh, we uh, I'm a fifth-generation fifth cattleman, and uh, my middle, middle child, my uh, one of my sons, is full-time on the farm as a sixth-generation sixth cattleman.
0: So, what sets up uh, your operation being in that part of the nation? Why, why was it uh, best to turn to just a full stalker operation? Can you maybe walk us through that process?
2: I, I guess the, the, the easiest way to explain it is my, my family, my dad and uncle started an operation 70 years ago, uh, Copenhagen Brothers Farm Inc. And uh, we've just, we've, we're, uh, to tell you the truth, we're better backgrounder stalkers than we are cowmen. And uh, it's just something that I, I guess you, you do do what your strengths are. And our strengths have always been the stock operation. We kind of know it better. We've uh, evolved it even, uh, you know, through the years because of the labor situation. We've tried to get more efficient uh, and we have got more efficient. And, and we, we take uh, um, smaller, uh, smaller calves, mismanaged calves at times, and uh, we try to upgrade them to to uh, more value-added uh, uh, yearling-type cattle that we, we ship west most of the time.
0: So what are some of the challenges that you have faced uh- Uh, being in production agriculture in the state of Virginia and I and I've driven through uh, much of Virginia in the hills looking at operations uh, just uh, in my time on the east coast in my role as a farm broadcaster what what are some of those challenges you face but what are some of those uh, just uh, things you wouldn't trade for the world uh, about your family's
2: operation there well I I think you said it when you say family I think the the value of having the, the family on the farm, uh, having one son on the farm and the other son probably want to come back someday to the farm. He's, in, uh, he's our politician uh, in the family in Richmond. He's uh, the commissioner of agriculture for Virginia right now. So, yes, the, the number one thing is have, is being around family and having family part of the operation and always have been part of the operation.
0: Well, one thing, Gene, I really like about uh, hosting this show and having conversations with different cattlemen and women out across the countryside is uh, we, we get a little too, uh, 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 our attentions turn to our local issues and our state issues. And there's a lot of folks that maybe not e- even would consider that there's agriculture operations still on the East Coast. And, and you and I know that that, that is uh, an incorrect <clears throat> assumption. But uh, being in a state uh, that uh, truly it, has been a part of our nation from the start, what uh, what are some of the things being a, uh, on the East Coast, being around larger cities, what, what are some of the challenges you have faced with just people – Wanting to know and learn about agriculture, maybe folks that have opposed livestock production.
2: Well, the the good thing I guess, Lane, is we're we're still five hours away from Richmond, Virginia, and five hours away from D.C. We're in a in the corner uh, in, in the triangle of Virginia, down the, on the Tennessee, North Carolina, uh, Kentucky, uh, West Virginia. The, we're closer to probably five more. Uh, state capitals in Richmond. So we, we, uh, but we do hear, hear from the state where, where, uh, Northern Virginia rules, the politics of, uh, of Virginia. We do hear that, uh, you know, uh, in fact, uh, last week in our, our, our local paper, uh, there was a, uh, uh, article, uh, I guess an opinion article from some, somebody from PETA about, uh, we need to get rid of all meat production. So, uh, you know, we we still we still get it in rural areas of Virginia, just like you would in the cities. We hear we hear it all.
0: Now, uh, maybe another shout out for your son is uh, the commissioner of agriculture in Virginia. Is that an elected or appointed position? And uh, how important is it for? uh producers i know he's your son but how important is it for uh producers like yourself to have someone that comes from an agriculture background in that position that understands uh uh, getting their hands dirty
2: i think it's very important and um and it's been a very positive response from from the agriculture community he's just been in that position about three months but uh, in fact he uh he can't, uh, attended the uh, National Cattlemen's Convention in Nashville and, and uh, worked the uh, Virginia Farm of Agriculture booth. So I think that everybody was impressed that somebody from uh, somebody from Richmond was there working the booth for agriculture and, and understands agriculture. So uh, it's uh, kudos to him for being there and in uh, the kudos for the for the governor for appointing him.
0: Well, again, congratulations. I, I know that makes you uh, proud, you and your entire family, having having your son in that position. And again, for all the folks in Virginia, having someone understand production agriculture and the challenges that we all face. And uh, of course, uh, before before our conversation started in my, my first intro, Uh, We are going to focus today's conversation on product of the USA labels. This has been a very big discussion. It happens at my family's kitchen table. It happens at all of our stockyards, at our local cafes. It's an issue on the top of all cattlemen and women's mind. So, Gene, when when this conversation gets brought up, whether you're down at the local feed store or out in Washington, D.C., or at the Cattle Industry Convention discussing this with members that truly are concerned about how our products are labeled, especially foreign products, can can you just give an overview of the product of the USA and, and the conversations that you have in the countryside?
2: Uh, you know, product USA, the way it, w- way it is right now and the way it stands uh, until it's, it's changed is 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 a problem. It's a problem for me and it's a problem to, for, should be a problem for all cattle in the United States. And the fact that uh, you can bring uh, imported meat in from another country and processed in one of our USDA products, uh, Regulated uh, uh, processors, and then and put that product U.S. Label, product of U.S.A. label on there. Uh, that's a problem, and it needs it needs to be changed. And uh, that's and that's what we started to do in the summer of nineteen. Uh, Oregon Cattlemen's Association brought that to our attention. Uh, Not to give credit, there's some others that had brought it to the attention of, of the industry before that. But um, it uh, it started started our working group uh, working on that at that time. But uh, when talking to uh, the general cattlemen out in the country, uh, you know they, they they see the problem, they understand the problem, and they they know it needs to be changed.
0: Now there are also different views of product of the USA. And could you maybe just walk us through what exactly the NCBA policy is? and then, uh, then we can maybe discuss uh, how, wh- where, where the policy goes from here and the advocacy out in Washington, D.C. then.
2: Yeah, the policy uh, was changed, uh, I guess we officially changed it last summer in 2020. Uh, it started in 2019 with the working group. It, it's changed now. It's transparency and labeling. The, the policy is NCBA supports verification of source of origin labels on vol- as voluntary labels. Instead of mandatory labels, I guess it's the big thing, big difference from uh, other other groups in the United States. Uh, we all think uh, think that uh, it should be a voluntary process. Uh, we we think that uh, unverified, our policy says we shouldn't have anything that's unverified, such as product USA that, as it stands now, on the label. It needs to be verified, whether it's through um, AMS, PVPs, or third-party verification, either way, that uh, if it's on the label, it needs to be some type of verification.
0: And Gene, uh, on Facebook and and, and other uh, places where cattlemen and women are having conversations, there are some concerns, obviously, about these products, great concerns. Let, Let me correct myself on that, with foreign product coming in and being labeled as product of the USA. And... Obviously, there needs to be changes at the agency level with USDA in this labeling system. So, what have what's what have been the steps that you uh, that NCBA has taken in this process to make sure that foreign beef is not labeled as product of the USA here in the short term and the long term?
2: Uh, Lane, as you as you recall, uh, uh, NCBA. Filed a petition, I think, in June, May or June of this year, and uh, asked that the product the USA uh, be changed to a to another some uh, process of the in, in the USA or something very similar. I, I I think they left the door open to to some discussion on what it should be. Um, I think uh, pros, some some of the cattlemen have problems with even processing the USA. But uh, from what I remember about the petition, it, it opened the door up for something similar to process in the USA. So I, th- I think there's some uh, wiggle room for, for everybody there on how, how that product of the USA should be changed to.
0: So, Gene, as you mentioned, when we look at the petition that NCBA put forward, that, that's really a recommendation uh, of what, uh, what the policy that was passed by all the states at NCBA would like to be seen occur when it comes to actually have a truth in labeling. But also, there could be some flexibilities on USDA's behalf when they actually uh, uh, look at this and hopefully carry it out.
2: Yes, that's correct. Uh, you know I, I think I, I think the process in the USA is one thing that uh, NCBA has but it I think it also says or similar uh, wording so I, I think there's some some legal room like I said before for uh, USDA for the administration for whoever makes that decision but you know in the long run uh, our our policy says that we're looking at uh, you know verified, programs, the PVP, the AMS PVP program, or a third-party verification program that's voluntary rather than mandatory-type program.
0: Yes, and we're going to talk about those programs right after this quick uh, commercial break. For our sponsors for today's podcast, Beefmaster will be back with
1: Gene Copenhaver right after this. Payday starts with superior Beefmaster cows. Yes, the Beefmaster female has stayed true to her original purpose, to help ranchers in tough environments improve performance, survivability, and longevity. So if you're giving up ground in traits that matter, consider Beefmasters. The breed will jumpstart your cattle and give your next calf crop a performance boost. Nothing beats a Beefmaster. Learn more about what the Beefmaster cow can do for your herd at Beefmasters.org. Again, a big thank
0: you to today's episode sponsor, brought to you by Beefmaster Breeders United. Again, our conversation is with Virginia Cattleman, Gene Copenhaver, and uh, Gene, we're discussing the product of the USA and uh, the grassroots policy that NCBA has put in place that was brought forward by all the state affiliates and put into the policy book that, uh, of course, the team in Washington, D.C. works on. And we are discussing how that policy pushes for not mandatory programs, but voluntary programs. Can you share more of why cattlemen and women from across the nation that have put this policy into place prefer voluntary over mandatory in any type of program?
2: Uh, Lane, I, I guess I, the, the big thing is the, the volunteer programs are already out there. The PVPs are working, whether they're through AMS or through third-party verification. We have a lot of a lot of people. We have some people in the in the East that's using those programs already, and some people that are 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 in the process of of doing more of those programs. Uh, I've been working with a regional. Uh, brand here uh, in, in the Mid-Atlantic Southeast area that, that we're looking at, one of those verified programs, volunteer programs. And, uh, and there's another program in, in near me in a couple of counties here near me that's, that's work looking at one of those programs also. And they're, they're, they're working. Um, the state of Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Beef uh, they have one of the, one of the verified programs, uh, that, that is working. It really helped them, uh, fruit with the sale of hamburger and the sale of cold cows for them in Kentucky. And they went through, through that process, the verified process also. So it's, it's already working. Uh, I think what we're doing now in place, uh, if we could get rid of this product, USA, because it's a uh, confusion to the consumers, um. And one confusion, the biggest thing I've, I've seen with the product USA is we had an example where it had a, uh, a label of product of your way on it. And uh, on the same on the, the other corner had product USA. Now, that to me was was very confusing to me and to the consumers. That's just another reason we need to redo this product USA
0: and you talk about that confusion but it's also about having consumer trust as well i mean i i would not trust anything that said product of uruguay and product of the usa it's like seeing the the knockoff nikes or rolex watches that are sold in in china um you you see that
2: and it's just like well that i don't trust that no me me either and i i i think the trust with that we have now with with our product. I mean, we have the best beef product in the world by far. As as far as I'm concerned, I don't I don't think many people would uh, argue that point with us. And we have a sustainable pro- product. We've had you know, we've sustained we've increased that product the last 20 years. We've gone from 55 to 60 percent choice and choice and prime to over 80 percent choice and prime. And we've done it through genetics and, and other efficiencies that it's going to sustain this industry for a long time.
0: So, Gene, how can producers take advantage, say, of USDA's Ag Marketing Service uh, Process Verified Program as one of those options?
2: Uh, they could do it through a branded program where, where they do it on their own farm themselves or through, uh, through a regional program, which I've been working with an uh, individual on on the regional program that uh, will come back to uh, regional groceries and regional uh, uh, food service. Um, in fact, I visited a, 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 a guy over in North Carolina here recently that, that has a branded product, and most of his product goes to food service, and he's had to double his capacity. You know, COVID has changed a lot of things we do, um, in, in as far as the, the supply chain breakdown, really, really affected the way people look at, at uh, our industry and the whole food industry. So I, I think there's a lot of ways to use the P- PVPs to uh, to uh, increase uh, your margin on the farm and uh, do a lot more value added with your own, own farm or a regional if, if several farmers go together. Um, there's, a, there's another, uh, Group in, in near me here. That's that's looking at putting a new processing uh, uh facility in, and it's going to be a non nonprofit processing facility. That, but they have their brand already uh, established, and they're ready to go with several producers. And it's going to be uh, a quality product. Whether uh, some of it might be a grass-fed product, but most of it's going to be grain-fed product, and it's going to be fed. They're going to be fed in the area. And that's that's the that's the the uniqueness of PVPs. You can you can put your own specs in there and uh, do, based on your own, own product, what you have and what you have to give.
0: And Gene, as you mentioned yourself as a producer, your family operation, you are all starting to dip your toe into the process of verified programs or PVP. And uh, uh, sitting down at the family uh, kitchen table, uh, wh- what's the conversation been? H- how this will impact your operation, the work that's going to go into it. Uh, uh, wh- wh- why why is now the time to get into this, or or is this something you guys have been talking about for some time, but uh, it's just taken a while to to get to the this uh, space?
2: Well, I guess it's something that it's it's came up in the last three or four years. Uh, you know, as far as a branded product, we 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 don't have as many regional branded products in this area. Um, so uh, I've been working with with these individuals and uh, have talked to two two grocery store chains and have talked to some food service about this product. And they're they're very, uh, very anxious to know more about it. And uh, I, I, I talked to the guy that's that's heading that up for the individuals yesterday. And he said, it's really Really coming along. He's uh, talked to FSIS and to AMS, I think both and to a third party verifier and working on the branding aspects of it as we speak. So uh, I think it's any any time we can buy ad and and sustain a price. We know we can't we can never send all our cattle through this process. But, you know, the more we can, the more we're going to sustain us sustain our operation down the road. And uh, I think more and more people are going to do this. And uh, and if we do it voluntarily, uh, you know, it's it's going to give a lot of people a lot of chance to, to value add their products. And Gene, all of this
0: comes from producers out in the countryside. We, we like to refer to that in the ag industry as grassroots efforts. And as you mentioned, uh, just the uh, the issue with Product of the USA and the policy that NCBA implemented came from a county cattlemen's association in the state of Oregon and made its way uh, to the committee that you chair, the International Trade Committee. Uh, how important is it that grassroots policy take place and it's not just a, it, people sitting in a boardroom saying this is what we're going to do. It's actually coming from... Cattlemen and women out in the countryside having the conversations like you and I are having right now, putting that forward to advance the industry.
2: Well, I think that's that's the whole uh, beauty of NCBA is the grassroots policy and the vetting it goes through. Um, I've I've been a committee vice chair or chair for the last seven years, and uh, it's really showed me how grassroots NCBA is. where uh, you know the product of the USA is the perfect example. Uh, coming from Oregon, going through uh, uh, initially our summer meeting in our, our uh, international trade committee, and then from there to a working group, and then from that working group back to the international trade committee. Uh, a lot of editing went in place, a lot of uh, phone calls. Um, our working group uh, was very diversified uh, geographically. And uh, by by sector, beef sector too. We had people from uh, uh, from Florida to uh, to to Oregon, or, you know, the cross section uh, geographically. But uh, also, uh, cow calf, uh, stalker, feedlot, uh, purebred. Uh, we had we had every sector involved. And the conversation, you know, uh, very, very good conversation. And at the end, we were very proud of the product we have at the end. And the, and the hope that the committee would, would kind of um, um, see what we had done and how we had done it and, and and agree with what we had done. And they did at the end. And um, so, I, you know, the grassroots. Uh, you know, it just amazes me when I work with people from all over the country in different sectors, um, and you know the young people that's involved now with the NCBA. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the uh, the there's a lot of females now that are, are full full-time cattlemen, and these these young ladies are smart. Um, the young men are smart. I just I'm, I'm just amazed at the grassroots level of, of cattlemen that depend on. Cattle for, for their income in here doing, doing the business of NCBA. And uh, but the gra- grassroots, if uh, it if, if, if wasn't there in NCBA, I would not be participating with NCBA. My family's been involved with NCBA for a long time.
0: Well, thanks for that perspective, and and again, the the time that you take away from your family to to serve as chair of that international trade committee. And this is just one of the many, many issues that your committee and every committee uh, uh, goes through. And you know, there's a lot of a lot of folks that sit on those committees from all across the nation. And uh, for more information on what those committees look like and how they're structured, just uh, visit ncba.org for our listeners. Uh, uh gene anything else uh, that you would just like to to share with our listeners today uh, i know it's probably uh, starting to to uh, pick up a little bit on the operation actually it's probably getting close to, to lunchtime for you out there uh. well yeah <laughs> it's
2: lunchtime and then on, on the operation we're in the, we're in the middle of shipping cattle i think we've got about two-thirds of them shipped and uh Started uh, buying back, so we're uh, right right in the middle of a busy time. But uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity to talk about uh, grassroots NCBA uh, passion for the industry. Which you know, I want. I just want to say again that you. Know, I understand everybody in the industry's passion, and uh, this industry is sustained for a long time, and I think it will. Keep on sustaining. We have to talk about su- sustainability to to the consumers, to the politicians, to everybody, to to make this this industry continue to go, grow, and um, and. But uh, you know the passion out there on, on whether you're a member of NCBA or a member of any other national cattle groups, it's there, and I, I appreciate that from everybody. And I might not always agree with 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 you or uh, your association or my own association always but you know we we still need to have that conversation and i appreciate Lane. you give me the opportunity to have a conversation with you today
0: well thanks gene and again we're passionate and we get frustrated because it is our livelihood and whether we're six generations into it or, or one generation into it, uh, uh, we always have a target on us, uh, by my groups that want to see us put out a business that don't understand our sustainability and, uh, the, uh, opportunities that we provide, uh, our, our communities, our state and our nation. Uh, but, uh, Gene, thank you so much for all that you do. And, uh, again, it's getting close to dinner time there for you almost at the noon hour on the East coast. So I don't want to hold you up too much, but, uh. Uh, Gene Copenhaver, chair of the International Trade uh, Commission, there, International Trade Commission. I'm just going to say International Trade Committee. I I, I really elevated you there almost, Gene. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, thank you so much for for joining us and uh, just sharing more about having that truth and labeling from NCBA's perspective and on their grassroots policy Again, for our listeners out there, we're going to continue to have these conversations with cattlemen and women here on the Cattleman's Call podcast. If you have not done so, please subscribe on Spotify, Google. Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you listen uh, to your podcast conversations on. And if it's not on that platform, reach out to us and let us know. And also, if there's a topic or a cattle producer that you would like to have uh, featured on the Cattleman's Call podcast, make sure and drop us a note. Just visit ncba.org and click on the Cattleman's Call tab. All that information can be found there. Well, Gene, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks, Lane. And again, a big thank you to Beefmaster Breeders United for sponsoring today's episode. I'm Lane Nordland for the Cattleman's Call. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Nordland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast
2: today.